0: Today, we're reading Judges chapters 8 and 9. And the last chapter, chapter 7, we saw that um, Gideon had a great victory in his battle. And yet, the Ephraimites, they're a little bit upset right here. And we're going to see why in verses 1 through 3 of chapter 8. And the men of Ephraim said unto him, Why hast thou served us thus, that thou callest us not? When thou wentest to fight with the Midianites, and they did chide with him sharply, and he said unto them, What have I done now in comparison of you? Is not the gleaning of the grapes of Ephraim better than the vintage of Abiezer? God hath delivered into your hands the princes of Midian, Oreb and Zeb, and what was I able to do in comparison of you? Then their anger was abated toward him when he had said that. Now they want to help. Well, these are the Ephraimites. So where have they been for the last seven years of oppression? These leaders of Ephraim complained to Gideon about the fact that they weren't called upon to supply troops in Judges chapter 6, verses 28 to 35. But they were called upon for the cleanup operations in Judges chapter 7, verses 19 to 25, and they were responsible for catching and executing those pesky Midianite princes, Orb and Zeb. In verse 2 we see that Gideon is a gentleman about their challenge and he uses a harvesting grapes metaphor to describe their actions compared to his. He compliments their bravery and because of Gideon's diplomacy they drop the whole issue. In our next section of reading we find in Judges chapter 8 verses 4 through 9 that the men of Succoth and Penuel they aren't so willing to help Gideon. Verse 4 and Gideon came to Jordan and passed over he and the 300 men that were with him faint yet pursuing them and he said unto the men of Succoth give I pray you loaves of bread unto the people that follow me for they be faint and i am pursuing after Zeba and Zalmona kings of Midian and the princes of Succoth said are the hands of Zeba and Zalmona now in thine hand that we should give bread unto thine army And Gideon said, Therefore when the Lord hath delivered Zeba and Zalmanah into mine hand, then will I tear your flesh with the thorns of the wilderness and with briars. And he went up thence to Penuel, and spake unto them likewise. And the men of Penuel answered him as the men of Succoth had answered him. And he spake also unto the men of Penuel, saying, When I come again in peace, I will break down this tower." Well, these two cities, Succoth and Penuel, they're about four and a half miles apart, located in the territory of the tribe of Gad, just east of the Jordan River. That's about 25 miles southeast of the battle in Jezreel that we saw in Judges chapter 6, verses 28 to 35. These cowardly Midianites, 15,000 of them, well, they headed back that way. These Gadites just had no confidence that Gideon and his army of 300 men could finish off the enemy. I mean, 300 men in pursuit of 15,000. What are the chances you're going to see these 300 men ever again? These cowardly fellow Jews, by the way, in verse 6, they ask this question. Are the hands of Ziba and Zalmanah now in thine hand that we should give bread unto thine army? Uh, That's a reference to the two Midianite kings that Gideon is pursuing. So these fellow Jews refuse provisions to Gideon for fear of reprisal from the Midianites if they do so and are found out. Got some bad news for you guys. When Gideon returns after taking care of that army, you'll meet those two kings in the hands of Gideon. You're in for a very unpleasant surprise. Gideon threatens the leadership of both cities with a very unpleasant means of capital punishment when he says... In verse 7, I will tear your flesh with the thorns of the wilderness and with briars. He also adds the guarantee to Penuel in verse 9, saying, When I come again in peace, I will break down this tower. Despite the threats, neither city is moved to cooperate with Gideon by these threats. So in verses 10 through 21, we see the awesome army that Gideon leads. In verse 10, now, Zeba and Zalmanah were in Karkor, and their host with them, about 15,000 men. All that were left of all the host of the children of the east, for there fell 120,000 men that drew sword. And Gideon went up by the way of them that dwelt in tents on the east of Nobam and Jogbeha, and smote the host, for the host was secure. And when Ziba and Zalmanah fled, he pursued after them and took the two kings of Midian, Zeba and Zalmanam, and discomfited all the host. And Gideon the son of Joash returned from battle before the sun was up, and called a young man of the men of Succoth, and inquired of them. And he described unto him the princes of Succoth, and the elders thereof, even threescore and seventeen men. And he came unto the men of Succoth, and said, Behold, Zeba and Zalmanah with whom ye did upbraid me, saying, Are the hands of Zeba and Zalmanah now in thine hand, that we should give bread unto thy men that are weary? And he took the elders of the city, and thorns of the wilderness and briars, and with them he taught the men of Succoth. And he beat down the tower of Pinuel, and slew the men of the city. Then said he unto Zeba and Zalmanah, What manner of men were they whom ye slew at Tabor? And they answered, As thou art, so were they. Yet one resembled the children of a king. And he said, They were my brethren, even the sons of my mother, as the Lord liveth. If he had saved them alive, I would not slay you. And he said unto Jether his firstborn, Up and slay them. But the youth drew not his sword, for he feared, because he was yet a youth. Then Zeba and Zalmanar said, Rise thou and fall upon us, for as the man is, so is his strength. And Gideon arose and slew Zeba and Zalmanah and took away the ornaments that were on their camels' necks. First, uh, after having defeated the 120,000 with his band of 300 in Judges chapter 7, he goes after the remaining 15,000 that had fled and captured their two kings. Now it's back to his fellow Jewish brethren in Succoth and Penuel with the two enemy kings, Ziba and Zalmanah, in tow. Hey, Succoth and Penuel, are these the two kings you thought we couldn't defeat? These folks had bet on the wrong horse, so to speak. Gideon collects from these cowards in blood. Gideon's actions may seem kind of excessive here, but God had appointed Gideon to be the battle commander. And the men of these two cities aided the enemies of not only Gideon, but God himself. Traitors don't usually get favorable treatment in anybody's army. Oh, and the two captured kings? They admit to having killed Gideon's brothers. If there was any thought of letting these guys live, this admission pretty much negates that idea. Gideon's son, Jether, uh, he's not fond of the notion of avenging his uncle, so... Gideon himself does the honors. In verses 22 to 28, we see the tale of the golden ephod. Verse 22. Then the men of Israel said unto Gideon, Rule over us, both thou and thy son, and thy son's son also. For thou hast delivered us from the hand of Midian. And Gideon said unto them, I will not rule over you, neither shall my son rule over you. The Lord shall rule over you. And Gideon said unto them, I would desire a quest of you, that you would give me every man the earrings of his prey. For they had golden earrings, because they were Ishmaelites. And they answered, We will willingly give them. And they spread a garment, and did cast therein every man the earrings of his prey. And the weight of the gold earrings that he requested was a thousand and seven hundred shekels of gold, beside ornaments and collars and purple raiment that was on the kings of Midian and beside the chains that were about their camels' necks. And Gideon made an ephod thereof, and put it in his city, even in Ophrah. And all Israel went thither, a-whoring after it, which thing became a snare unto Gideon, and to his house. Thus was Midian subdued before the children of Israel, so that they lifted up their heads no more, and the country was in quietness forty years in the days of Gideon." Well, Israel's pretty tickled that Gideon has delivered them from the Midianites. They roll out the red carpet, metaphorically speaking. They offer him what sounds like a kingship to me, but he refuses. Instead, he asks for the earrings from the captured booty. He then makes a replica of the high priest's apron, the ephod, and they put it on display in his hometown of Ophrah, to which we have to ask, Why? Was he trying to compete with Shiloh? That's where the Ark of the Covenant was located. Was he trying to make that an alternative place of worship? Who knows, but it did become problematic. We see it in verse 27. It seems those Hebrews were willing to worship just about anything. However, Gideon's brave leadership had brought Israel 40 years of peace. In verses 29 to 35, Gideon dies and it's back to the idols. Verse 29 And Jerubbaal the son of Joash, went and dwelt in his own house. And Gideon had threescore and ten sons of his body begotten, for he had many wives. And his concubine that was in Shechem, she also bare him a son whose name he called Abimelech. And Gideon, the son of Joash, died in a good old age and was buried in the sepulcher of Joash's father in Ophrah of the Abiezrites. It came to pass as soon as Gideon was dead that the children of Israel turned again and went a whoring after Balaam and made Baal bareth their God. And the children of Israel remembered not the Lord their God who had delivered them out of the hands of their enemies on every side. Neither showed they kindness to the house of Jerubbaal, namely Gideon, according to all the goodness which he had showed unto Israel. I tell you, those Hebrews love nicknames. You know how the bald guy always gets the uh, nickname Curly and the big guy gets the name Tiny? Well, Gideon's nickname was Jerubbaal. Hey, aren't nicknames supposed to be actually like, shorter? Well, Jerubbaal means let Baal fight for himself. He got that nickname back in Judges chapter 6, verse 32, when he tore down the altar to Baal. So what happens when Gideon's family dies? Well, it's back to Baal for the people. Go figure. And they show no respect whatsoever to Gideon's memory. One more key point about Gideon is found in verse 30. It says, And Gideon had threescore and ten sons of his body begotten, for he had many wives. Now, that's not counting daughters. An additional son is seen in verse 31. Abimelech was born to a concubine of Gideon who lived in Shechem. That was about six miles from Gideon's hometown of Ophrah. We're not told that any of the other brothers and sisters lived in Shechem, just Abimelech. He goes for a power grab. We'll see in chapter nine. In chapter nine is where brotherly love turns sour. Verse one, and Abimelech the son of Jerubbaal went to Shechem unto his mother's brethren and communed with them, and with all the family of the house of his mother's father, saying. Speak, I pray you, in the ears of all the men of Shechem, whether it is better for you either that all the sons of Jerubbaal, which are three score and ten persons, reign over you, or that one reign over you. Remember also that I am your bone and your flesh. And his mother's brethren spake of him, the ears of all the men of Shechem, all these words, and their hearts inclined to follow Abimelech, for they said, he's our brother. And they gave him threescore and ten pieces of silver out of the house of baal wherewith Abimelech hired vain and light persons which followed him. And he went into his father's house at Ophir and slew his brethren, the sons of Jerubbaal, bringing threescore and ten persons upon one stone, notwithstanding, yet Jotham, the youngest son of Jerubbaal was left, for he hid himself. And all the men of Shechem gathered together in all the house of Melom and went and made Abimelech king by the plain of the pillar that was in Shechem. And when they told it to Jotham, he went and stood in the top of Mount Gerizim, and lifted up his voice, and cried, and said unto them, Hearken unto me, you men of Shechem, that God may hearken unto you. The trees went forth on time to anoint a king over them. They said unto the olive tree, Reign thou over us. But the olive tree said unto them, Should I leave my fatness wherewith by me they honor God and man, and go to be promoted over the trees. And the tree said to the fig tree, Come down, reign over us. But the fig tree said unto them, Should I forsake my sweetness and my good fruit, and go to be promoted over the trees? Then said the trees unto the vine, Come down, reign over us. And the vine said unto them, Should I leave my vine, which cheereth God and man, and go to be promoted over the trees? Then said, All the trees unto the bramble, Come thou and reign over us. And the bramble said unto the trees, If in truth ye anoint me king over you, then come and put your trust in my shadow, and if not, let fire come out of the bramble, and devour the cedars of Lebanon. Now therefore, if ye have done truly and sincerely, in that ye have made Abimelech king, and if ye have dealt well with Jerubbaal and his house, And have done it to him according to the deserving of his hands. For my father fought for you, and adventured his life far, and delivered you out of the hand of Midian. And ye are risen up against my father's house this day, and have slain his sons, threescore and ten persons, upon one stone. And have made Abimelech the son of his maidservant, king over the men of Shechem, because he is your brother." If ye have dealt truly and sincerely with Jerubbaal and with his house this day, then rejoice ye in Abimelech, and let him also rejoice in you. But if not, let fire come out from Abimelech, and devour the men of Shechem and the house of Milo, and let fire come out from the men of Shechem and from the house of Milo, and devour Abimelech. And Jotham ran away and fled and went to Beer and dwelt there for the fear of Abimelech, his brother. Well, some brother, huh? I mean Gideon's son, Abimelech. He goes for power grab, kills 69 of 70 of his brothers, and grabs the kingship of Shechem. That was his mom's hometown. That must have just been a starting place for Abimelech. He must have had his eyes on a bigger kingship. But you got to start somewhere. Gideon had a bunch of wives and concubines and subsequently a bunch of sons. The sole surviving brother Jotham tells it like it is to the leaders of Shechem from the top of the Mount Gerizim. Now you remember that's the two mountains Gerizim and Ebal were side by side with Shechem down in the valley in between. That was the place where the uh, blessings and the curses were given back in Joshua chapter 8. Shechem was in the valley at the foot of those mountains as I mentioned. He hollers out a whole bunch of ruthless truth about his power-hungry brother, Abimelech. One could stand on the top of Mount Gerizim and shout to the top of his lungs and clearly broadcast to Shechem down in the valley there. After that, he hightails it for his life after speaking his peace. Jotham speaks to the men of Shechem by giving them a parable in verses 7 through 15. It's an olive tree, fig tree parable didn't flow well, uh, kind of hard to follow, actually. It's a good thing he gives the interpretation of his parable in verses 16 to 20. It's important to notice the curse that Jotham pronounces on Abimelech and the men of Shechem in verse 20. It took three years, but this curse finally is fulfilled and noted when we get down to verse 57. In verses 22 to 57, we find the conclusion of this exciting story. And we see that Abimelech is finally killed by a woman. Verse 22, When Abimelech had reigned three years over Israel, then God sent an evil spirit between Abimelech and the men of Shechem. And the men of Shechem dealt treacherously with Abimelech, that the cruelty done to the threescore and ten sons of Jerubbaal might come, and their blood be laid upon Abimelech, their brother, which slew them, and upon the men of Shechem, which aided them in killing of his brethren. And the men of Shechem set liars in wait of him in the top of the mountains. And they robbed all that came along that way by them. And it was told Abimelech. And Gael, the son of Ebed, came with his brethren and went over to Shechem. And the men of Shechem put their confidence in him. And they went out into the fields and gathered their vineyards and trod the grapes and made merry, and went into the house of their god and did eat and drink and cursed Abimelech. And Gael, the son of Ebed, said, Who is Abimelech, and who is Shechem, that we should serve him? Is not he the son of Jerubbaal and Zebel his officer? Serve the men of Hamer, the father of Shechem, for why should we serve him? And would to God this people were under my hand, then would I remove Abimelech. And he said to Abimelech, Increase thine army, and come out. And when Zebal, the ruler of the city, heard the words, Gael, the son of Ebed, his anger was kindled. And he sent messengers unto Abimelech privily, saying, Behold, Gael, the son of Ebed, and his brethren, be come to Shechem. And behold, they fortified the city against thee. Now therefore, up by night, thou and thy people that is with thee, and lie in wait in the field. And it shall be that in the morning... As soon as the sun is up, thou shalt rise early and set up on the city. And behold, when he and the people that is with him come out against thee, then thou mayest do to them as thou shalt find occasion. And Abimelech rose up and all the people that were with him by night, and they laid wait against Shechem in four companies. And Gael the son of Ebed went out and stood in the entering of the gate of the city, and Abimelech rose up, and the people that were with him from lying in wait. And when Gael saw the people, he said to Zebel, Behold, there come down people from the top of the mountain. And Zebel said unto him, Thou seest the shadow of the mountains as if they were men. And Gael spoke again and said, See, there come down people by the middle of the land, and another company come along by the plain of Meonanim. Then said Zebel unto him, where is now thy mouth? Wherewith thou saidest who is Abimelech, that we should serve him? Is not this people that thou hast despised? Go out, I pray now, and fight with them. And Gael went out before the men of Shechem and fought with Abimelech. And Abimelech chased him, and he fled before him. And many were overthrown and wounded, even unto the entering of the gate. And Abimelech dwelt at Aramah, and Zebo thrust out Gael and his brethren, that they should not dwell in And It came to pass on the morrow that the people went out into the field and they told Abimelech. And he took the people and divided them into three companies and laid wait in the field and looked and behold, the people were come forth out of the city and he rose up against them and smote them. And Abimelech and the company that was with him rushed forward and stood at the entering of the gate of the city and the two companies ran upon all the people that were in the field and slew them. And Abimelech fought against the city all that day, and he took the city and slew the people that was therein and beat down the city and sold it with salt. And when all the men of the tower of Shechem heard that, they entered into an hold of the house of the god of Bereth. And it was told Abimelech that all the men of the tower of Shechem were gathered together. And Abimelech got him up to Mount Zalman. He and all the people that were with him, and Abimelech took an axe in his hand and cut down a bow from the trees, and took it, laid it on his shoulder, and said unto the people that were with him, What have you seen me do? Make haste, and do as I have done. And all the people likewise cut down every man his bow, and followed Abimelech, and put them to the hold, and set the hold on fire upon them, so that all the men of the tower of Shechem died also, about a thousand men and women." Then went Abimelech to Thebes, and encamped against Thebes, and took it. And there was a strong tower within the city, and thither fled all the men and women, and all they of the city, and shut it to them, and gat them up to the top of the tower. And Abimelech came into the tower, and fought against it, and went hard into the door of the tower to burn it with fire. And a certain woman cast a piece of a millstone upon Abimelech's head, and all to break his skull." Then he called hastily unto the young man and his armor-bearer, and said unto him, "'Draw thy sword and slay me, that men say not of me, a woman slew me.' And his young man thrust him through, and he died. And when the men of Israel saw that Abimelech was dead, they departed every man into his place. Thus God rendered the wickedness of Abimelech, which he did unto his father, in slaying his seventy brethren.' And the evil of the men of Shechem did God render upon their heads, and upon them came the curse of Jotham, the son of Jeroboam. Well, it's difficult to say with certainty, but it seems that maybe the whole of Israel had acknowledged Abimelech's kingship in verse 22. We seem to get that. Or perhaps it was just the half-tribe of Manasseh and Ephraim. We actually don't see his influence in Israel beyond that localized region of Israel. It didn't rain very long before the challenge in Shechem by a guy named Gale, And the whole town of Shechem fell in right behind Gale. Abimelech feels that he can't let that challenge stand, so he organizes an all-out warfare against his own hometown. When the people of the city gather in their pagan temple. That's the house of Bareth in verse 46. It was a secure building in the city. Abimelech and his army burn it down with the people inside, killing about a thousand. While he's on a roll, Abimelech heads north about 12 miles to a neighboring city of conspirators called Thebes. As the people there gather in their tower, Abimelech prepares to burn it down with the people inside also. But he encounters a little glitch in his battle plan. A woman drops a kitchen utensil, a millstone, on his head. As he's dying, his departing thoughts are, Oh, no, don't let me die at the hand of a woman. With that plea, one of his loyal men runs him through with a sword to put him out of his misery. Good riddance, King Abimelech. Oh, and by the way, King Abimelech, we all know it was a woman who really killed you. You didn't get away with that one. We see in verse 57 that Abimelech died according to the curse of Jotham in verse 20 his own townspeople did in fact turn against him after bimelech's death the army that supported him scattered thereby ending the first attempt to establish a king over israel this concludes our podcast for today i'm wayne turner and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online go to www.bibletrack.org. thank you for listening in today